It's that episode, not that episode, not that episode. It's that episode. It's that episode with Craig Rowan. Welcome to It's That Episode, the podcast where I, Craig Rowan, invite a guest over to my apartment to watch any TV show they choose. We watch it, we talk about it, and we talk about a bunch of other crap. Today, my guest is Anthony Tamanek, who you might know from Death by Ruru, The Tony Show at UCB East, or from 30 Rock. Welcome, Anthony. Hi, Craig. How are you? Good. I'm doing very well. You've actually, you've been on this podcast before on a live version. Yes, that was a lot of fun. That was more of a Trek uh, thesis than it was anything else, right? Yes, we talked about Star Trek, and you introduced me to the amazing world of the show that we're going to be watching today. Oh, yeah. Which is... Murder, She Wrote. Murder, She Wrote. And you, I mean... You like are a true devotee of this. Yeah, I've this. watched. Well, I mean, I've watched every single episode plus the specials, which are not available on Netflix yet. I think they. I, yeah, I did a little reading. This show ended in what year? Ninety ninety five, I think. Ninety five, and uh, be, people were, I think, very upset because uh, I guess a lot of diehard fans of the show, and they were like, "Die" being the emphasis on that, but immediately diehard <laughs> yeah. fans because they die. Soon after the show ended, and uh, and they brought yeah they did like four t- made for TV movies over the course of the next few years to sort of like appease probably to stop some letters. That's probably yeah. Why. Well, Angie, I mean you know the thing is Angela Lansbury's still alive. I I don't understand why she doesn't do just one more, just one more. And I'm one of those fans. Like, did, uh, give me more murder. She wrote because it's surreal. It's insane. But yet, also, sometimes it's a great mystery. So it's like sometimes it hits the mark as the show. Because, I mean, basically it's Miss Marple. I mean, that's that's the idea behind it. It's an Agatha Christie story. Yes, right? yes. So it's an Agatha Christie story. It's an Americanized version of it. Um, and the thing that I love about the show, and I will say that Neil Casey and I have come up with this thesis together, is that there is a strange thing about the show where it's almost like elderly independence propaganda mm-hmm. where if you psycho- psychoanalyze it Jessica all the elderly people she encounters are aspects of her personality if it was not active so if you notice in the show she always anyone who is another elderly person who is like uh, weak or downtrodden or like truly old she like condescends to them she even though she's the same age as them she will condescend to it or reject it or marginalize them and so there's this weird thing where i feel like you as an old person you would watch it and identify with her activity but they put other infirmed old people in there so that the watch the viewer could also identify with themselves right yeah so it's like while they're watching they're being empowered by angela lansbury but they're also being talked shit by her like you're just watching a show you should be out solving your own mysteries that's exactly right living your own life so yes sort of they're getting punished while enjoying yes yes and they're also being reminded of their own the, the fact that they could never live up to her activity right and her and her um skill now if, sleuth if i'm remembering your you watch this with your grandmother that's how you got into it so i used to sit with my grandmother every sunday night and uh we would watch murder she wrote which i think came on at eight or maybe nine on Sundays on Sunday nights, and uh, she would always sit there and and then point at the television and go, "Ah, everyone says I look just like her," 
That was the big thing, and I, this, which also was like, imagine every old woman who says that. Now, did people actually say that to her? No, nobody ever said that to her. <laughs> she would just lie. I mean, another thing, I just said this the other day, but I'll say it again. She would, if there was a documentary on Hitler, okay. she would, uh, yeah, she would say, ooh, you, bad man, bad boy, and she would, like, shame Hitler like a dog. He deserves to be shamed. He does, but, like, <laughs> but, like, so she, and we would watch, and she would always, uh, if I started to talk, she would slap me on the knee and be like, and be like shut up. <laughs> that was the big thing. And then we would watch the mystery, and she would always say who she thought it was, and it was never correct. Now I've I've only and watched it's so obvious since <laughs> since we yeah since we uh, since the live episode I actually watched the first episode of uh, of or the first episode available on Netflix. For some reason, I don't think the very first one is on there. Um, no, that's a disc available only. <laughs> a D A. Oh yeah, D A O. Yeah, that took me way too long to figure out. Um, <laughs> Unlike the the viewers who are D O A. Yes. Ooh, hello. <laughs> which is also a lyric from the Friends theme song, which is in uh, your love life's D O A, and we'll segue oh, nicely yeah. into the Friends thing. But yes. I was going to say is that um, we watched the first episode as a two parter. We didn't watch the second part. Are the is the mystery um, always easy to solve? Like, is that like? You know, it depends. There have been episodes where it's so easy, like The Legend of Borby House, for instance, which uh, is a very, it's very clear who the killer is from the get-go. But then there are other times when she throws a real wrench in it, where, you know, you really lead you to believe it's the tech kid or the programmer and the internet one, right, the virtual yeah. reality one, and it turns out, no, the entire time it was the woman standing next to him. Now, is is the reason that, you met, is Borby House like a benchmark episode? Is that like... Borby House? <laughs> I feel like Borby Borby House is where Gene is first introduced. Which who I don't know who that. Okay, is. so Gene was a woman who played a redheaded yeoman on Star Trek. Okay. Clearly, she was somehow friends with Angela Lansbury, like outside in the industry. And I think that she must have been sick or something because she's in a wheelchair by the time she's in this with like breathing issues. And I think that, that basically Jessica hired, like gave her a job to like probably pay her medical bills or right. something. So she shows up as the town librarian in Cabot Cove. Um, but all of her shots are singles where she's looking off, not on eyeline, and she's like barely getting her lines out through like deep, like Christopher Reeve's oh. breaths, you know, like automatic breathing machine breaths. And my favorite is she's called Jean in the show, and whenever it cuts back to <laughs> Jessica, when it comes back to Jessica, she always really dismissively goes, Thanks, Jean. And then they just cut away. They never talk to her again, yet she's sitting in the wide just staring up at the two people. Uh. There are four episodes featuring Jean, each one totally valuable, including one where she is uh, complaining about having stuff stolen from her house. And the sheriff's like, I don't know what to tell you, Gene. Literally, that's his answer. A woman in a wheelchair, he's like, I don't know what to tell you, Gene. And she goes, well, you better figure it out. And she turns to wheel away, and the way she's going is clearly just into the set. And there's a, an extra who's trying to, like, get her to, like, move to the left. And then they just chop away from it. And, then, and when they cut to the wide, she's just gone. <laughs> but yet, as Jessica enters, she's like, hello, Gene. That's amazing. <laughs> Wait, are, are are the four episodes consecutive? Like they're like, let's try Gene. Like then this isn't working. No, no. Gene shows up over. I think season. I think she first appears in Borby House, which is ten or eleven, and then she's in it till the end. 
in like four different episodes. Maybe just every time the medical bills just got too too much. Yeah, and there's also one that's a Fleetwood Mac. Uh, call out, which is like basically a Fleetwood Mac band comes to Cavett Cove. One of the other big things is that the doctor, Seth, is very involved in arranging all the music festivals and all any sort of town entertainment Seth is involved in. And he's always really harried and yet and like has to be a doctor, but like also has to like always rush off to go organize, like get like the Dixie cups for the backstage drinks. It literally makes no sense. <laughs> Cabot Cove makes zero sense. It's oh, it's super overpopulated. I read, I read something <laughs> on Wikipedia that they said that if if the murders were real, it would be the most murders. It would be the murder capital that, of the world. Yeah, exactly. Oh yeah, and I, I will also tell you. I mean, I know we're going long here, but um, I when I lived in Los Angeles, I used to have an access uh, pass, an all access pass to uh, Universal because our color correction department was for temptations was on that lot so i had an any time any hours pass because i used to have to sometimes bring stuff at night like drop off tape so sometimes my buddy chris and i we would drive there at like one in the morning i would show the pass we would drive up into the tour area we would get off at the um town square from back to the future we would get high at the fucking clock tower that's amazing and then we would walk up past the psycho house and then go hang out in cabot cove wow yeah that is unreal just ripping high walking around cabot cove in the middle of the night. And one time we hotboxed it in um, the Austin Powers car. <laughs> that sounds like the Hollywood dream to the max. That's yeah. unreal. Yeah. Um, so let's, okay, yeah. let's talk about our love life's DOA. That was my, uh, that's a lyric from the friends theme song. Yes. All back to before. So this is the episode you chose. It's called murder among friends but right. you called it the buds episode it is the buds episode because well the, i think the title is a play on words meaning that they wanted to be current at this point in season 12 they wanted to be current they they're starting to try to if you notice the previous episode the dark side of the door they're definitely trying to appeal to maybe the boomer audience that is now entering into old age. And and uh, something I read is that the show, I don't know what season, I think maybe in the 12th, maybe in the 11th, but was moved from Sunday nights to Thursday and nights. And was up against Friends. Right. So this was a clear shot across the bow at the show Friends. Which is from a weird place. <laughs> it's a sh- like the most popular show on TV with the most uh, important demographic to uh, networks and, and Murders She Wrote is really going at them. That's they a- go at them and they, the sitcom is called Buds. And Jessica, who has a myriad of cousins who seem to work in a variety of very key positions in New York and Los Angeles, this cousin or nephew or what the fuck ever uh, <laughs> is working on the set of Buds, I think is a cast member. I can't remember. Might be maybe just a PA. I have to, I have to watch it to remember. But basically, it's a hostile cast where everybody is scrapping at each other for who's going to get renewed for the next season. And uh, somebody is going to get cut, but not in the traditional way. Uh oh! They're going to be murdered. <laughs> They're going to get cut in the untraditional way, being murdered. <laughs> being murdered. And what's interesting about this is you'll see a, a stunning performance by breakout star of Breaking Bad, Walt. 
Wow. Uh, Walter White. Uh, Walter Brian White. Cranston. Brian Cranston, who is the, I think, the executive producer or head writer of the show. Wow. Wow. That makes me even more excited for this episode. Yes. See, Brian Cranston is great. Well, wait till you see him in this. All right. So we're going to watch <laughs> Murder, She Wrote, Murder Among Friends, and, and their synopsis on Netflix is Jessica hunts for the truth when hostility breaks out among the cast members of the new sitcom, Buds. All right. I always think I like to say Jessica cunts for the truth. <laughs> that's how you always that's how you always every time you read this just this specific summary. Which is more often than you do assume. <laughs> I read it once a day. Okay. So we're gonna watch as Jessica cunts for the truth right Ricky now. He was my friend. Why would I want to kill her? Because you felt she was out to ruin your career by keeping you from leaving the show to do that big movie. <sighs> that was all over way before. My agent phoned me that Meg Ryan got the gig, so I had no reason to... Diane, I talked to your agent. What he told you that night was that it was Ricky, not Leo, who was threatening the movie company with a huge breach of contract suit if they hired you. Milton's getting it all mixed up. No, your agent didn't receive word about the other actress being signed until the next morning. So when you killed Ricky, you still thought you had the part if Ricky was out of the way. I was never here that night. Well, then how do you explain the question of Ricky's new laptop computer? What does that have to do with me? I mean, I, I heard that that was the murder weapon, but... She never used it until the night of her murder. But you told me the morning after the murder. And now, no more. Ricky in the office, tapping out the jokes on her new laptop. The salesman delivered the laptop that evening. The only way you could have known it was here was if you were here. Give me those glasses. Nice and easy, Diane. But Ricky deserved what she got. See, when you're an actress, you constantly hear a clock ticking. Guys like Eastwood and Jack Nicholson get to be stars forever. But for an actress, it's like being a ball player. When the legs go, the career's over. But you're only, what, 29? <sighs> That's what I tell People magazine. Try 36. That's okay. We we got a th that was <laughs> unbelievable. That was the best ending to any TV show I've ever seen in my life. A an actual proclamation, <laughs> a proclamation, a with scroll, a scroll, <laughs> a scroll on a non uh, fantasy like Renaissance show. A proclamation was read, written by a member, a sitcom, uh, a sitcom cast member, written with calligraphy. Written with calligraphy, and there's no hint that like one of none of them is like I'm taking a calligraphy course. And and before the proclamation is read, somebody says Carly's got a proclamation. <laughs> yeah, like that's a common idea. Oh uh, well, we're commenting on that because that's literally the last thing we just saw. <laughs> and but throughout the entire episode, there were millions of things that you could comment on in that way. That was so insane. Yeah, let's give let's give a basic breakdown of. Oh, there's just so much stuff. Well. I mean, I think the basic breakdown you said at the very end, which is essentially imagine if Lisa Kudrow had murdered the executive producer of Friends. Yes. And they continued to do production every day and nobody was emotionally affected by it. Whatsoever. Nobody. Basic. Yeah. The, one of the, the, the they were going to cut. Oh, this is the number one TV show in America. So it's the equivalent of Friends. But 
for some reason, the network wants to cut two actors from the show. At the peak, at its peak, with multiple Emmys, they're going to cut two actors. They're, it's like cutting J- uh, Schwimmer and like Joey from Friends. Like <laughs> yeah. two, of, two of the most popular characters in television. We just got to cut two arbitrarily. And the only person who decides is the head writer, and she doesn't tell anybody until the day it happens. And she keeps the script in a safe and... The re- the end, the way they kill the character off is by a doctor announcing in the last scene of the actual sitcom that one of them has been hit by a car and is dying in the hospital. I mean, it's just it, it, what it is. Is this show is is I don't know. It's like as if they don't know what a re- reality would seem like. You know, like no. everything is just. Like we, Angela Lansbury, who has nothing to do with Buds. She uh, so Buds is the sitcom. She she is also filming a mystery show for PBS that is in an adjoining studio that is produced by the same producer as the number one television. So this guy produces her PBS mystery show and also produces the number one show on television. And because of that, she is feels comfortable enough to just walk in and out of their friends, the Buds studio, whenever the hell she wants. Doing whatever, questioning whoever. One of the writers of the show was a former student, and I think one of the actors may have been a former student, too, of hers. <laughs> like, they, everybody has a connection. The head of the police is the father of one of the main actors in Buds. Like, uh, and is like a, a set parent, like, hassling the producers to, like, get his son limo money. And then showing his gun, his police weapon, as a threat in the negotiation. It's it's so it's so fantastic. This show is th- that last scene alone. Lisa Kudrow, Lisa Kudrow, more or less the equivalent of Phoebe, murders the executive producer, and then and uh, somebody else. Um, I'd guess the Joey. No, not the Joey. One of the other guys, maybe like the Chandler or yeah. the uh, Ross is um, originally uh, he's assumed to be the killer because he's the lover of the woman. No, no, no. This is the other. guy. Oh, I'm sorry. The blonde. Yes, yes. The he's the of, he's the Chandler. He's the son, the son of, of the, the cop. Of the cop, and he's arrested by his dad. Yeah. Then the cast finds out that the other woman is actually the murderer, and then when he comes back. The guy who was originally thought to be the killer. When he comes back, they just have a lower a banner and balloons fall down from the sky as if, like, nobody was murdered. Like, <laughs> like nobody – the woman who's the executive producer is a straight-up bitch. She <laughs> is murdered in her office, and the next day people are working in her office. Yeah, the young – right, the student of Lansbury is sitting in the crime scene the next day. Writing and not only that, if you notice that this is a, a theme of the show, is that she peppers everybody by making them come up with the come clean. Right. They immediately come clean with just one hard press by her, and including the cop who not only tries to cover for his son, but then is lying about the fact that he was at the crime scene he was at the, the night scene of the night of the crime, and and and. The best part, it's amazing that um, Angela Lansbury or Jessica Fletcher can get anybody to tell her the truth, but not, or like she gets it out of them. But when the cop is like, yes, I was red hot mad and we yelled at each other and I was so mad that I had to leave. And then she just goes, I believe you. (laughs) Like, what? I believe you. (laughs) And it's like, that's it. We move on. Judge, jury, and executioner. (laughs) She, like, no matter what she says, goes. And. I mean, the fact that this cop is even involved in the case is... Criminal in its own right. It's crazy. It's just crazy. Well, well, let's say a couple of things. That the 
Lisa Kudrow character murders because she's been no. cast in a Rob Reiner film that's shooting in New Delhi, and she's the new female lead in a Rob Reiner comedy filmed in New Delhi. Like that's such an old person's <laughs> perception of what Hollywood is. Like, oh yes, of course, Rob Reiner, the hottest <laughs> comedy director, and why wouldn't it be filming in somewhere exotic like New Delhi? Like that's it's cr- crazy. It's just crazy. Yeah, uh, it's. It, there's so many things that are pe- – like you had mentioned, I think, before we watched it about – oh, no, while we were watching the credits, you were saying that this might be the computer season of uh, Murder, yes. She Wrote. When she – in the opening intro, they show her typing at a computer. And then the word computer is said like 20 to 30 times yes. during the thing. And the computer is a main plot line of – I mean, the, it's, the, it's the – It's the murder weapon. It's the murder weapon. It's the – the computer is the murder weapon. It is. It was bought at the computer store. The, it was delivered by the computer store. The computer was called the SX thirteen hundred, which is like the most generic name for it. And the, I, I just remembered the scene where the Lisa Kudrow character murders the executive producer. Is her getting upset because she wants to do the Carl Reiner, a uh, Rob Reiner movie? Yeah, she just. In the heat of passion, pulls picks up a laptop and just smashes. and bats her across the face, and that kills her. And that kills her, which is like, think about it. If you took a laptop and hit someone in the head, it would hurt. It would hurt, but they wouldn't die. No. They wouldn't even be knocked out, most likely. I think they'd just be in pain and per- maybe, maybe break something, maybe a nose if it was hit right. So that means that she had to beat her with that computer. <laughs> they cut away right before the... They cut away before the brutal beating. Oh, God. It is... so Well, and so just to sort of give this framing idea, we don't understand the context of why Jessica's in L.A. We just know she's filming this show. Yes. But we don't know how she got there, why she's there, where she's staying. Mm-hmm. This is one of the rare times where we don't know where she's staying. Usually we get to know her hotel or whatever. It's... would be implied that she's basically around the studio 24 7 because at one point she wanders on set sees the husband of the woman who gets murdered sitting there and says why are you sitting here all alone in the dark and the set is completely lit up it's like all the lights are on and also why are you here she's wandering around a hot set at night that she doesn't even belong on that that alone is insane it's in Sane. And in the intro, you'll notice that she starts on the typewriter. Right. But then they this is the hybrid opening because, mm-hmm. as I was telling you, it started with a soft focus opening with an oval. Then it went to a soft focus frame. Then it transitioned straight to typewriter. Then it moved to this typewriter computer hybrid. And then in the last two seasons, it's just straight up her on a computer. And in fact, the title Murder, She Wrote comes up on the computer as it does in this. Uh-huh. Um, the, so just another thing that was interesting to me was that the actors complain about a 6 a.m. call there. There here's the thing also is, yeah, a 6 a.m. call for uh, shooting a television show is fairly it's normal. normal. Yes. The people who are writing this television show, Murder, She Wrote, work on a TV show. You think they would bring a li- like even a teeny bit of realism like of the knowledge of how a TV show works, but they're like, what's the point? We'll just do it as, it, I, I mean, I don't know. And I don't know if you know, cause I, you know a lot about this show, but the writers for this show can, are they all old people? Are they young people doing like, I think they were older. I mean, the legend is that the murder she wrote set was the best set to work on in Hollywood. 
that it was Wait, the where kindest. Does that, where does that legend? Uh, there was an old director from Thirty Rock who told me that, mm-hmm. and it's and I've read about it. That wow. apparently, like her and her husband Bruce Lansbury, who was the supervising producer on the show, um, were incredibly kind they treated the the crew incredibly they treated all their their guests like that supposedly it was the best place to work and for 14 years or how many years this show was on the air and um they have done a number of media related shows They've, there are a few shows they're set against the backdrop of hollywood and or of a television show and they never nail it i mean the one actress says i'm going to try a new attitude in this scene I'm going to try a new attitude for my character. <laughs> like as if, if if Jennifer Aniston said that on the set of Friends in like season two, they'd be like, "What the fuck are you talking? What do you mean? You're going to try a different <laughs> attitude for your character? You're this character. Do the character." <laughs> and she and there's a couple of things I find interesting about the, what I was telling you it was like that it's Friends. So clearly, it's a resentment of friends. And the name of the sorry, the name of the coffee shop is Kafka Java. I just have to yeah, throw that out. Kafka Java. What's the, what's the name of the Central Perk? Central Perk. The, the Kafka Java is just like like that's a young like Franz Kafka and Java. What the? F- well, wait. Think about the fact that when she's at dinner with the actor, who we don't know why she's really at dinner with him, that. She makes this whole condescending statement about how all they do is talk about their sexual exploits in the show, and then he tries to defend it, and he can't. He can't defend his own show. She then laughs condescendingly. Then later on, the murder weapon initially they think is the Emmy. Yes, yeah, right? so they thought the executive producer was beaten to death with an Emmy. With an Emmy that they won. And then at the very end, the turnaround, the like return of the show is that Jessica Fletcher – Get, in other words, Angela Lansbury gets made an honorary friend, an honorary bud. By proclamation. By proclamation. So that in a weird way, the show is like – is the show is exactly like an imposing old person. It's like, I'm one of you too. I'm a friend also. That's like literally the point of the show is that she's like, I'm friends. Watch my show. Oh my God. And the, one of the best parts is to this about friends is they, they, uh, it's around the studio. So there are all these posters for buds and it says buds Wednesdays at 8 p.m. And my theory is that they, because obviously Friends was on Thursdays, that this was to confuse watch viewers so that they would, instead of watching Friends on Thursday night, they'd watch <laughs> Murder, She Wrote, and then they'd try to tune into Friends on Wednesday night. So this yep. was to keep their audience. I mean, one of the things in, I said this before, but Wikipedia is that everybody complained that the move to Thursday was like a huge problem. And then yep. this is like the saddest this is the saddest re- reaction to that. It's, <laughs> and I love the the thing with the actors like not being real. One of them, the murderer, she, um, oh, there, it said that uh, Ricky is the executive producer who writes the show and modeled the Lisa Kudrow character after her. In fact, they wear the same glasses. And this is an actor saying it, and she's like, I know. I- I've got 2020 vision and I'm wearing these glasses. It's like as if an actor had never conceived of the idea of wearing glasses with fake lenses in them. I do have, this is a story from, I had a uh, commercial agent and I, I don't do commercial auditions much anymore, but 
I was upset that I wasn't being sent out on commercials, and I went in, and I was like, you know, like, I'm ready, I'm getting yeah. a couple callbacks, give me some, let's get a commercial going. Right. And he's like, you know what? Now that I think about it, we can send you in stuff where you're not wearing your glasses. And Are you like, serious? I was like, all right, I'm, I'm done. Like, do you edit? Some, do you edit these? Uh, yeah, I, I'll take. Was this Phil Cassette? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, "Are you, are you kidding me?" I'm Phil Cassette, agent to the stars. Kid, I got kid. Listen to me. I got an audition for you tomorrow morning at six a.m. It's <laughs> you're gonna play a seawater turtle <laughs> at the at the Coney Island Aquarium. Now I can't guarantee you're gonna get it, but I think that. If you wear some tortoiseshell glasses, you might have a chance. And remember, if you have success, it's probably Phil Cassess who sent you out there. It's so insulting. Now edit all that out. I'm going to edit all of that out. <laughs> it's the worst. The, the worst. Um, yeah, so, I mean, you see that this was a show. I mean, it's unfortunate in a weird way, which is like I kind of thought maybe I should suggest one that does the Cabot Cove rundown. But I felt like this was more important to see this sort of later thing. If I would say that you have to see the Cabot Cove dynamic simply because the level of familiarity also that they have with her in Cabot Cove is so inappropriate. And it's inappropriate her moving around Cabot Cove. So this made perfect sense that she would just – and also this Hitchcock thing. Like clearly they got like licensing – to yeah. show a piece of a Hitchcock movie. But, like, who the fuck was watching her PBS mystery special directed by the actress who plays Savick from not Star Trek Two, not Kirstie Alley, but Star Trek Three? <laughs> so the woman from Star Trek Three, who had a pretty major role in Star Trek Three, is reduced to a secondary producer. And also, you'll notice there are a couple of moments where, like, everyone panics that Angela Lansbury or that Jessica's having, like, an elderly moment. Because, like, in that taping, she, like, pauses because she's real- realized something about the glasses. And she's like, oh, my God, are you okay, Jessica? And she's like, oh, no, I'm more than okay. And that's, like, the third time she says that. So anytime there's an onset of what appears to be dementia for her character, that turns out not to be dementia. It turns out to be deep thought. So it, it, it's really this fantasy for old people that as they're losing their mind, they're really not – they're really becoming a great, like a great mind, a great mystery solver. You're, you're totally right. Your guy's theory about the propaganda is is totally right because also with the computer thing, that Ricky, the uh, Ricky, the executive producer, gets murdered. She keeps on complaining about how slow the computers are, how she can't the on the XX thirteen hundred, how the pagination is off, and like she yes. needs somebody younger to and help. She needs a young man to help her, and that is clearly implied as sexual. By the way, you like how I'm like slowly sliding. Yeah, you are really getting comfortable. You're really getting real cozy. This is how I work, man. Man, hey, just get cozy. Get in. Let me tell you something. Murder she wrote totally relaxes me. It is. I can understand. Oh yeah, go on, go on. I can understand enjoying this. I mean, the familiarity, like the she. It just seems like, yeah, like sitting back in an old chair, just like. Oh yeah, it's she's shot in soft focus. All the time. And so that the reverses are shot on soft focus. So you'll see someone in clear focus. And then when they reverse over the shoulder, they're now blurry, yeah. which is weird for the eye. And she's like all gauzy. And you can, yeah, you can tell because her earrings are glowing and like the strange. 
cringe way. She was wearing that Klingon commemorative pin that broached the she entire loves time. She Star Trek people. Oh, Jean. <laughs> yeah, she does. She has a huge Trek connection. And a note, a note to the listeners: this was not not the Brian Cranston episode. Oh yes, a guy who uh, Brian Cranston is in another episode. He's a high powered lawyer, and I always confuse these because he has a mustache in that one, and this guy has a mustache and looks very Cranston-y, and is wearing a horrible sweater. He's wearing yeah. It's notable enough that we both independently <laughs> thought about how terrible his sweater was. He it's, gives, he gives he gives the best speech of the of the episode. Yeah, when he's like, "What's her name again?" Uh, Ricky. He's like, oh, you know, uh, take this producer credit, even though it means nothing." Sure, Ricky, sign this prenup so that you can so you can keep your assets separate. Sure, Ricky, <laughs> feel the love go out of our relationship, and know that it's just a shell of a marriage. But at least you got a job. Sure, Ricky, <laughs> it's. It's great, and the music's just playing under. And he does a good job. Yeah, oh yeah. That's the weirdest thing about the show is to see like some actors do like amazing jobs in their roles, and then other actors who are just clearly day player. Well, I, I was going to say that too. Is like you'd think that I'd rec- I feel like I would rec- have recognized like one of the people who plays a Bud's character, like that they'd gone on to yeah. done anything, and no. none of them are recognizable. No, you see. You will see people like that, but this one specifically, for some reason, lacks any talent. Well, I it's would... also by season twelve. You're getting people who are also doing like um, Xenas and shit. Uh huh. Well, I watched the very first, or not the very first, because that's a DOA. Yes, yeah, DOA. <laughs> um, D A O. Disc Avail- disc available only. Or maybe you said disc only available. Or maybe I just messed it up. Now. Oh, whatever. Well, yeah. It, it does not matter. Oh, but it does. But what's his name was in the that for they had a great um from uh Deliverance the uh the fat the oh it's uh, Ned Beatty's Ned Beatty Ned Beatty's oh season name. one is I mean that's like, unreal like, like when I saw that in the credits I was like wow that is un yeah he's amazing oh season one is you could argue that seasons one through five. Our real quality. And season one is really great mysteries. Like, I'm par with, with, like, Sherlock and shit. But, like, you know, they clearly settled into their groove. I would say season seven is really strong. Uh, eight. <coughs> eight's okay. Then it starts to wane. And I feel like 14, they got their groove back for a little bit. Still got their groove back? Oh, yeah. Well, I think they, I read this on Wikipedia, that, is that where they moved it back to New York? Yes, that that it was a new producer and people. I think that is believed that that was a really good. They, it was back on track. Oh, they were back on track. I mean, I was. It was unfortunate because I think we were further enough along in the show that we didn't have the. Where there's one in the opening where she it cuts to her at a chalkboard and she writes just on the chalkboard. She just writes murder and then underlines it. And Neil and I always get a big kick out of saying, murder. What you should do, not to like do this for a third time, but you should have Neil and I come back. Yes. And we should do Borby House. <laughs> the quintessential. The quintessential. And uh, you can get Neil and I giggling like schoolgirls. Well, I'm, I would actually, I think what you guys should do. Do you think we should start a Murder, a Murder She Wrote, she wrote podcast? podcast? I mean, that's yeah. like go through every episode of Murder, She Wrote. That's You know, I mean, you're right. Or do a live show where you just watch Murder, She Wrote and comment on it. That <laughs> yeah, should be right, done. Right. On Sunday nights 
<gasps> at, at 8 p.m. or whatever time it used to yeah, air. Yeah, stop doing Ask Cat. Don't do Ask Cat. <laughs> Who cares? Just, just, <laughs> why would you do the most uh, the most beloved comedy show on Sunday nights when you could do Murder, She Wrote? When I could do the most beloved television show. Exactly. That, to me, would be you'd have a great old fan base. People yeah, could you imagine the fan base we would have? I mean, I... I wonder if we could get Angela Lansbury to come do one. To come comment on one that would be un that would be unreal. I you mean, I don't know first. anything about her. Does she live? In, she lives in New York. Now, here's is she British? No, she. I think either she was born in England and brought here at early age, or I think she was born here, went to England, and came back. Because she has, when I looked her up on Wikipedia, she has like a C, CBE, or she has some. She's like oh, the. Equivalent of like a knighted person, I think, in England. Yeah, something. she's a dame. I think she's yeah. Dame Judy Dench. Judy James James Duty Stench. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, she she's a national <laughs> treasure. She's a, a, not of our nation, but she's the Dame. D- Hello, D- I'm Dame Duty Stench. I think I might have tweeted that once. I That's did perfect... it. At, I did it at Gelmania. <laughs> so I stole that from you. I think. Oh. All right. Well, and she was famous for doing James Bond um, commercials for James Bond denture cream, <laughs> King James Bond denture cream. Um, <laughs> that's really good. Um, wait, okay. What was I going to say? Have, do you know Angela Lansbury from anything else? I mean, like, because I know she's like a stage knobs, actress. Well, bed knobs and broomsticks. Oh, right. Um, let's see what else. I mean, she was in um, a variety of musicals. She did a version of Mame. She was a big. She was a big actress. She and was then, huge. I mean, she's a huge Broadway actress. And and then she settled into like twelve years of yeah. This show. Think about it. She's living in sunny California. You know, Cabot Cove was there. And she's probably. I mean, I wonder. Have you? You're a huge fan of the show. I mean, yeah. Even legitimate. I mean, I say I make fun of it, but like I'm a legitimate fan of the show. So have you ever? Beyond you and uh, Neil's watching and talking about it, have you ever ventured into the world and your grandmother, but the world of like fandom for Murder She Wrote? Like, do you know what that looks like? I don't know what Murder She Wrote fandom looks like. I have to imagine that among old people, it's and I'm sure this is on reruns still somewhere. Oh yeah, yeah, I'm sure on Hallmark or something. That it's huge. And there has to be like a convention or something. I mean, there ha- like some- I don't know if there's conventions. There's probably a mystery convention where that's part a mm-hmm. component of it. Right. I would doubt that the fan base is alive enough to be like. Right. Also, yeah, it's not like yeah. Most conventions are by twenty-five-year-old nerds. That yeah, are ones that are running things, but there has to be some way that they express their. Well, fan think base. about all the clone shows that came from it. You had Diagnosis Murder, then you have Matlock. Right. So these those two start to rise, uh, and then the Father Dowling mysteries. So you have which was uh, Tom Bosley. So you have four. Three, this show spawns three other network hour mystery drama shows that continue for also twelve seasons, ten seasons, eight seasons. This was a huge. It, there's two things that are always big genres. Mystery will always be a big genre because people love. Trying to figure it out. Trying to figure it out. And I think also the idea of someone who does something else and then by proxy, I mean not by proxy, by happenstance, 
happens to also solve right. mysteries. It's like that. It's like that everyday thing. Like you could be turned into this person that's in charge and and has more knowledge than anybody else. Yes, and I think this show was created by people who were involved with Columbo, which was also another yes. huge. Did yes. you watch Columbo? Uh, yeah, of course. I've only recently, because of Netflix, gotten... but it, uh, The Columbo um, pilot is amazing. Yeah, I watched that Like, recently. it's an amazing yeah. pilot. And he's a great character, but... And that's... It's a really cool show, too. It's like... Yeah. and But I think it's more for, like, dads than for... Uh, oh, yeah. yeah Excuse a, me, Miss. Uh, one more question for you. My dad's imitation of that is, uh, excuse me, I just have one more question. Why is it 80 degrees and I'm still wearing this this overcoat? <laughs> That's my dad's famous. Tell your dad it's funny. I will. He's going to get a phone call right after this. I love you, Dad. Oh, my God. I love you, too, dude. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, it's. I mean, what are, there current, what are the current mystery shows that are out now that are popular? Well, there's... Um... Uh, Sherlock from BBC, yes, which is great. Then there's like the American version, which apparently is actually good. They're called like indubitably oh, or something. Elementary. elementary. Um, I don't know if there's any other mystery show. I mean, now what you have are mystery procedurals like Law and Order. You have right. things where there's a mystery, but the people doing it, and then it's like crime to prosecution. And then you also have in that things like The Following or Lost or things of that ilk where there's a mystery, but the mystery is collective, right? So it's it's strung from, you know, it's an arc, right, as right. opposed to an encapsulated series. But I don't think you really do have right now uh, a, a mystery a, – a a procedural mystery that is not focused on crime fighters solving a mystery, but on on a, on a pedestrian solving a mystery. Right, right. Because like a CSI, it's all about the yeah the crime, the the police figuring out through yeah little specific DNA things. But yeah, yeah but you don't no, you don't have that. You don't have that common person, the person that's I don't know. That's with Sherlock. With Sherlock, you can't relate to Sherlock. You know what I mean? No, Sherlock's first off, Sherlock's uh, has Asperger's. Yes. And you can't, you don't, there's no connection. You connect to Watson. Yes. Right? Which is great. I, I, Which is great, but it's yeah. a different deal it's, altogether. It's totally different. Yeah. They need a new one. Hey, we're putting it out there. Betty White, still around. She's still, still kicking. On, on her, off her rocker. Angela Lansbury, if you ever listen to this podcast. Which we know you will. You and your husband, Bruce, if he's still alive. I'm sorry if he isn't. Um, do another Murder, She Wrote. Do one more Murder, She Wrote. Just one. They're Do a four-hour murder she wrote. <laughs> four-hour from 7 p.m. to 11 p.m. <laughs> yeah, four-hour murder she wrote. You said one of my favorite things that anybody's ever said while we're watching the show. You like she was laughing. I think it was the part about um, when when she said it's just a show about talk about sex. There's nothing more to it, and the other guy can't defend himself. Then she starts laughing, and you said, when she loves it, she loves it. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> About Angela Lansbury. Like, she loves it. Oh, yeah. When she, she's like, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> and she, like, really, her, because she's such a stage actor, and you yes. see it yes. in her performance, and you see it on her singles. If you notice, most of her singles are always a slightly top-down angle, sort of like a Facebook profile shot. Mm -hmm. So they're always trying to cut out any neck waddle or anything like that. It's often, I mean, 
it's often the perspective on her is often the perspective you would have while ap- approaching your grandmother at like a family dinner out at a restaurant. You know, like when you're like approaching the table and she's already seated right. and you see her at that angle of like, hey, grandma, and then you sit down. That's the angle you're always seeing her. That's an unbelievable description. <laughs> that, that you are, you, if you're young and you're watching this, you're you're meeting your grandma at a restaurant. Yeah, that's the that's the experience that you're getting. Yeah, I I I love this show. I love I love the names of the characters. I love that all throwaway names. The th- they're not only throwaway, but all the men in it that are on on buds. Their names are like Ricky and Timmy, which are like kids' names. Like they're, they're just little kids. Yeah, they're not they're not grown ups. Ricky, Timmy. Oh, and and then the moment where. Phoebe, the Phoebe character, um, is basically, uh, oh, for she when she um, admits to it, she admits it without a lawyer. She's just like, I did it, yeah, I did it in front of like, is it in front of a bunch of people? I forget. There's, yeah, there's like two people in there. There's and, the lesbian cop and the the right. other guy. And she, one of her reasons is because she believes she's getting old. <laughs> she says. And Angela Lansbury's face while she's describing it is un- because she's like act. And you said it while we're watching that it was basically a speech from Angela Lansbury's point of view. It's like I'm. It's like Angela Lansbury's like, what are you talking about? You're 29. Like that's what I tell People Magazine. I'm really 36. And it cuts to Lansbury, and Lansbury's like, oh shit! Like <laughs> her look is like, oh fuck, you're 36. You are over the hill. <laughs> it's so great. Like, and- well, the speech is like your legs go, and then and you just know that that's Angela Lansbury's speech that she said one day, like to Bruce over dinner, and then Bruce was like, work it into a script. I wonder if well, this ep- this show is based on the contentious relationship, a lot of it between the produce the executive producer's husband and the executive producer wife. Yeah, was this uh, was there? Hey, listen, Angela, if you're listening and you're already agreeing to that four hour episode, also let's get a little documentary about your relationship with Bruce like I wanted yeah what was going on like were you hooking up with like male writers and actors on the show I love that (laughs) I love that yeah so Ricky the executive producer is making out with the Joey Tribbiani (laughs) and when Leo her husband confronts her with photos of her she like laughs in his face and it's like yeah if you had just asked me point blank I would have told you why did you waste time hiring this guy don't you know that that's like she's like don't you know that that's what our deal is here's, here's a legitimate question for you so yeah. a plot point that i don't remember right i mean i don't understand um leo the husband hires a, a private investigator who also used to be a cop who worked under the cop who's leading the investigation <laughs> another connection that's totally unnecessary um he the private investigator leo goes to him and says we need to do another th- this isn't working we need to get rid of the problem right and then later in the episode, the private eye comes up to him and says, it's taken care of. Yep. I want to be a supervising producer on this show, <laughs> which is such a weird, terrible request. But what did he do that he's saying, I got something done? I wonder if it's that he left the safe open or... No, because... Cause she... I don't know what he got yeah, done. Yeah, I don't know. To be know. honest was, with you. You know what it was? What? It was a MacGuffin. Ah, uh, it was a MacGuffin, and she talks about the in MacGuffin. The beginning, in the beginning, the first time we see Angela Lansbury in the episode is her on her PBS show explaining what a MacGuffin is. 
Ah. And then upset because the graphic isn't there. And they explain to her with new technology that they'll insert the card because they have. They'll key it out. They'll key it out. And she's like, key what? How many keys? I don't have my keys. I lost my keys. Please help me. Well, you want to know another reason why everybody knows each other? Because it's a very common old people thing. It's like, how do you know him? How are you connected to him? And so for old people, it's like they need to have everyone, like everyone has to know each other and be connected to each other so that they can understand. Because in their elderly mind, it's impossible for someone to not know someone else in relationship to another person in order for there to be a reason they're there. Right. That's that's how the world works. And also they're probably this is sad to say, but old people a lot of the people they know have died, so their their circle gets smaller and smaller and of course yes. everybody knows each other. Everybody knows each other, so that's how they make that association. Angela, you this is a genius show. It's a genius show. Um if you had to come up with a sometimes this if you had to come up with a drinking game for murder she wrote as a whole, mm. what what would it be? <sighs> If, as a whole, because I would say the last four seasons, I'd why say don't computer. You do, why don't you do if, if you're up computer. for it, for seasons for the for the trends of the show? Can you go through different se- seasons yes. and say what drinking games would be? Um, I would say that the first four seasons, uh, any time that she sort of makes a blustered face, like a surprise blustered face, or if she goes, "Oh, you're too kind," I would say that. Then I would say the middle seasons is when she says Seth a lot. Seth, who was the doctor. Okay. And she goes, Seth? Seth? Well, I bet Seth knows about that. She says Seth a lot. Um, and I would say for a cocaine game, you could use Gene because Gene only appears four times, so you won't have an overdose. Um, I would, I'm trying to think just off the top of my head. Um, uh, oh, oh, you know what? Another drinking game that's across the board is her doing a knowledgeable head nod. Mm. She does like a very active, engaged head nod. Um, you could drink every time she says, this is my nephew or cousin. <laughs> um, and I think... What if every time she gets a compliment about her books because everybody reads her Oh, book? yes, that is a big one. Anytime, everyone knows her. and they uh, Anytime someone says, the great... Jess- the, uh, <laughs> the great... The great... Angela, the great Jessica Fletcher, I've read all your books. Oh, um, um, every time they mention, what the hell is the name of the, the murder? What's the name of her first book? I wish Neil was here right now. Um, oh, uh, uh, the thing t- tolls at midnight. The, the thing tolls at midnight. The, the, tr- the, the clock... Oh, it's something like the clock tolls at midnight. It was on the one we watched yeah, on so your was, last show. Yeah, they mentioned it. That they mentioned that book like a million fucking times. Like the, a million times. Oh, what is it called? Um, I'll remember it. Uh, that what's amazing about that is like it's like I, the only book she actually wrote. If she's like the equivalent of what's the guy's wrote Da Vinci Code, like Dan Brown, is that yes, his name? yes, like. People must say, like, I like your book, but nobody would ever recognize – I don't know what Dan Brown looks like. You know, like- No, she is totally unrecognizable. She's an author. She's a mystery author, which is a niche. And she basically has one book that everybody talks about. No one ever talks about any of her other books. And it's like 
I'd assume a lot of mysteries are like beach reading. It's not like it's not like hardcore like uh, literature fans are probably reading. You know, and like, yet people talk to her as if she's a brilliant genius writer. She even says in this episode, she says um, like Hitchcock leading the way for like female mystery writers like her, her, you know, two names, and of course me. <laughs> <laughs> like what a pompous thing to say. Um, you know, uh. uh Another one would be, uh, do you mind if I take a look at that? That's another one. She also, in this episode, I don't know if this is a common, I haven't seen enough episodes, but there are a lot of people looking off into the distance after someone walks away from them. Yes. Yeah. It's yeah, just yeah. like. That's a biggie. That's like such a hoke, like a hokey thing. It's oh, yeah. so weird. And I think like in her nodding and cackling would be a good bong hit. I <laughs> I feel like it would be I'm too lazy to do this but somebody should make a YouTube video just of her reaction shots like over and over that that has- I have a great one um I had as my wallpaper for a while because she looked right at the camera and you and I both caught it and we rewound, rewound it and froze it and it's just her just staring at the camera I wish that it was not computers weren't a thing and that was your actual wallpaper on your wall was just <laughs> Angela Lansbury on repeat just staring at you yeah that's just your life and you wake up every night freaking out <laughs> your whole day, every day is just like a frantic terrible terrible day um, I'm trying to think of any other things uh, no I can't I mean, you did it more. You, your knowledge of the show is 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 very impressive. Now, you mentioned the what's that called, Borby House, Legend of uh, Borby House. If, if there are people who want to um, extend their viewing for for uh, Murder She Wrote, what other are there any other episodes that you would just recommend? Because this one is. I'm psyched that you picked it. It was a lot of fun, especially for TV. Like we talk about TV, so it's cool to see them take on. Yeah, it's their take on TV. That's why I figure it's a good one. I mean, I feel like Borby House is really good. There's um, one with the 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 Fleetwood Mac one. Um, Oh, there's a treasure diving one off the coast of Cabot Cove. That's very good. I think that's like season four. Um, I highly recommend. Uh, there's a two-parter with with a ghost and a haunted castle Are in Ireland. <laughs> well, no, it's not a ghost, but there's like a wink at the end that spoiler it could be. Alert. Yeah, spoiler alert. There's no real ghost. And, um, oh, oh, there's one where she meets like a gang of like Latin kids who like rap. And um, they're, it's like in the inner city and they're accused of a crime and she defends them and then hangs out at their rap show. That's really, really good. That sounds un- unreal. Uh, and I'm trying to think. Are there ever any crossover episodes? I feel like because this has been around so long that there might be like an empty nest crossover. Or like- There's a Magnum PI crossover. Wow. There's a Magnum PI crossover season eight, and it's amazing. Wow. And the thing is, is that because it's this show, you only get to see the. And Angela. Oh, that's another thing. Is Everyone is sexually turned on by Angela. Yeah, she's a minx in this show. Everyone loves Jessica. Everyone, young people. There's a New York one where there's a young man who's just like, come back to my apartment. She's like, oh, no, I couldn't. He's like, oh, you don't know. You're missing out. And it's like, oh, "Oh, what the fuck? What the fuck? (laughs) Who wants to fuck old Angela Lansbury? Who wants to pump 
those fucking wide open hypno eyes. Oh god. Just staring back at you. I bet I wonder how yeah, I I wonder if there are people that are young. I would fuck her. <laughs> Well, I was you a, just answered your own question. I would fuck her. I would totally get down You'd with be Jessica like, Fletcher. Bruce, get out of the way. You bet. I'd put it in her Borby house. Oh, oh, oh no. Oh, no. Um, well, I think on that note, uh, um, okay. thank you so much, Anthony. Do you have uh, – let people know how they can find you online? Oh, uh, well, it's difficult, but if you go to at – Tony Atamanik, A-T-A-M-A-N-U-I-K, or better yet, follow at The Tony Show, UCB, that's UCB at the end. You can follow me on Twitter, and uh, come find me on Facebook, and The Tony Show on Facebook, and come watch the show. That's what I have to say. Awesome, dude. Well, thanks yeah. so much for uh, bringing me back to Thank you. the world of Cabot Cove and beyond. Anytime, man. And you know what? I have a proclamation. You're an honorary bud. Holy shit. Dun-dun-dun-dun-dun. That would be the freeze frame, is me holding it. And then it says, executive producer Angela Lansbury. (laughs) And you you morph into her. Yep. That's That's the end of the podcast. That's the end of the podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you very, very much to Anthony Atamanik for watching uh, Murder, She Wrote With Me. And uh, yeah, you can get me on Twitter or uh, at Ed Craig, Ed Craig Rowan, or on Facebook. It's that episode. Watch uh, Adult Swim's Your Pretty Face is Going to Hell, April 18th at midnight. I'm really excited about that. Have a great night and an early manana. Adios, amigos. Amigos. <laughs>